Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the gift of family. Thank you for the gift of community, God. Thank you that we get to spend time together. Pray that we would get a little closer to you today. I pray that we'd get closer to each other. God, I ask that you would speak to us like only you can. Let it not be my words, but let it be your words. Pray that you'd quicken our hearts. Pray that we'd walk out of here feeling lighter than we came in here. Pray that we'd have more joy and more peace. Let today be the greatest day ever in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, so today, running with the Giants, we're talking about a great Bible character. How many of you, let me ask you this, how many of you know where the Jewish people come from? Just raise your hand. How many of you know, not like the country they come from, like descendants-wise, how many of you know where they come from? Okay. How many of you know, they, they obviously, they currently live in the, the, the country of Israel. Okay, Israel. Do you know where we get the name Israel from? Okay. In the beginning, Abraham, the first person that ever had a connection with God, was Abraham. And God came down and spoke to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to give you more descendants than all the stars in the sky. Well, this was funny for Abraham, because Abraham was 90 years old and had no children. Okay? And he's waiting on what God is saying. You're going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky. And he's going like, God, I know you say that, but I am 90, and there are some things that just don't work at 90, okay? He gets to be 100, and they come and go, your wife's going to have a child. Okay, now imagine being 100 years old and someone telling you you're going to have a child. Most of you are like, I can't even imagine being 100. Like, I don't know. Yesterday at the funeral, her, her grandfather was a Marine, and so they had these Marines that came in to honor him, and like some of them were like World War II Marines, and you're just like, how are you still alive? Like... If you've ever seen someone that old, like 100 plus, picture them nine months pregnant, okay? That's impressive. Um, and, and you're going to have a child 100. She goes, there's no way I'm going to have a child 100 years old. They have a child, and that child's name is, anyone know? Isaac. Okay, so Abraham had Isaac. Let me just say this. When I was a kid, we played this game called the Bible guessing game. Every morning on the way to school, my dad would ask us questions. You know, who was David's father? Jesse, okay? And if you got it right, there's five boys. You got it right, you got to eat that morning. So that's why we're all skinny. You better know your Bible if you're hungry. Um, so, and, and so this week with our team, we were playing that, and we're driving. We were driving back from our team day we had, and we prayed for y'all. We had such a great time just planning this next season of Valley Rise, and Driving back, I said, we're going to play the Bible guessing game. And so I started asking them, like, questions that I thought were basic questions. And I quickly realized we probably need to read our Bibles a whole lot more. Um, And so Abraham's son was Isaac. And Isaac's name actually means laughter. You know why his name means laughter? Because you picture a 100-year-old woman having a child. Okay, that's why his name means laughter. Isaac grew up, and he had two sons, and his two sons were Jacob and his brother Esau. Jacob and Esau, for those of you who don't know, were twins. Esau came out first. Jacob came out second. You've heard the story of Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of beans. Now, I'm going to be honest. I always identified with Esau because in that story, I'm like, I get that. He's out hunting. He comes home hungry. Your brother's like, hey, why don't you trade me your birthright for these beans? You're like, okay, deal. Not thinking he's serious, but little do you know he is. So 
He sells his birthright for a bowl of beans. Jacob becomes the chosen son. Now, Jacob's name means deceiver. The name Jacob, how many of you are named Jacob? Anyone named Jacob in here? How many of you have friends named Jacob? How many of you have family named Jacob? Now, if you have family named Jacob, we're in the same boat because my older brother, who's the firstborn, and my dad are both named Jacob. Little did I know this was going to be an issue for me my whole life. My brother is not kind of a deceiver. My older brother is a class A, 100, just the best manipulator you could ever imagine. How many of you have a sibling like that? Just the best. They will trick the pants off of you, okay? I know you're thinking, how bad could it be? Let me tell you one story. I could tell you a hundred stories. Let me tell you one story. I, and and I'm, I've always been the gullible younger brother. I'm always the sweet younger brother. I'm always just anything, anything for you, Jake. Anything you need me to do, I'll do, you know? Which means I got the wool pulled over on me a lot of times. So one time, Jacob is in college. He's in his freshman year of college. And I remember this like it was yesterday. His freshman year of college, I am 16, 15, 16. And um, he comes home for Christmas break. He comes home for Christmas break. He's home three days. And my dad pulls both of us outside. My dad goes, hey, listen. Now, it's, it's, he's either 18 or 19. I'm 15 or 16. The next closest brother is like 10 or 11. So he isolated this issue to me and the older brother. He pulls us outside and says, hey, Mom found some stuff, some inappropriate stuff on the computer. Which one of you was it? Okay. Well, I knew it was not me. So I say, what me? My dad looks at my brother Jacob, the deceiver, and he goes, was it you? He says, it was not me. My dad looks, now let me say this also. I was wild, but I was honest, okay? I might come home drunk at 16, but I was going to be honest about it. So my dad looks at me again, and he goes, Christian, are you sure this wasn't you? I'm like, I'm positive, okay? If I did it, you know I'd tell you I did it. Like, I was the kid, if I got caught, I just owned up to it. I owned up to everything. They're like, Christian, you smell like cigarette smoke. I'm like, and I was drinking, and I might have smoked a little weed. I don't know. Like, I was just always honest about whatever I did. Jacob, not so much. Jacob thought they thought he was the golden child, but little did we know. Um, and, and so... He looks at me and goes, Christian, are you sure this wasn't you? I'm like, I am positive this was not me. He looks at Jacob. Jacob, are you sure it was not you? I promise, Dad, it wasn't me. Then Dad drops this on us. And when my dad would say this, if you lied, the floor opened up, you went straight to hell, okay? He looked at me and he said, do you promise before God that it was not you? And I was like, I promise before God it was not me. Okay. Then he looks at Jacob, and I'm looking at Jacob like, don't do it. The floor will open up. Now, I know it's me. I know it's him because I know it's not me. So it's between me and him, and I know it's him. And he's going, he looks at Jacob. Jacob, do you promise before God? And I literally remember just being like, he's gonna, he's gonna, he, there's no way he lies before God. Like, and he looks at me like, I promise before God it was not me. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, this is not good. So my dad looks at us. He goes, I'm going inside. Y'all figure it out. I'm going to be out in five minutes. So he goes inside, and Jacob looks at me, and I look at Jacob. I go, listen to me. I know it wasn't me. I know it was you. Jacob goes, it wasn't me, dude. I don't know who it was. You sure it wasn't you? I'm positive it wasn't me, okay? I don't know. Maybe it was. He had brought a friend home with him for Christmas. He's like, maybe it was my friend Tim that did it. I'm like, you think Tim got on our family computer right outside our parents' room and looked at something inappropriate at 2 o'clock in the morning? That seems a little weird. That's a little gutsy for a guy that's never been to our house. He's like, it's not me. Well, it's not me. Okay, at this point, my dad walks back out and stands in between both of us. I'm on this side. Jacob's on this side. He goes, well, who was it? 
And my brother, I swear before Jesus, as God is my witness, stands across from me and goes, Christian, just tell dad what you did. And I'm like, and my dad looks at me and I'm like, this is, that's, I am getting set up right now. This is not happening. I did not do this. Then he says, listen, bro, we've all been 16. Dad understands. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. We've all been there before, okay? He gets it. It's something we all go through. And I'm like, I did not do that. I'm now like having, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't have very good confrontation levels, okay? Maybe you're like me. I go from like very calm to like we're going to fight. There's no in the middle. There's no like discussions. There's no, it's a level zero or we're fist fighting. And I'm now at this point where I'm fist fighting. I'm like, I'm going to kill him, dad. I did not do this. He's lying. And he is just counseling me. Listen, dude, it's okay, dad. Look at dad. He's not even mad at you. He's not mad at you. It happens, okay? You're 16. I went to bed that night plotting his murder. I was like, this is, he's going to die tonight. He's going to die tonight to the night. I'm going to go to jail, but I don't care. I didn't look it up on the computer. So I might go to jail for murder, but not for pornography. So <laughs> the next day he fesses up because he feels bad. Okay. Obviously I knew it was him. I had to deal with this level of deception my whole life. And if you know a Jacob, maybe you also have had to deal with some deception in your life. But that was nothing compared to the deceiver that the original Jacob was. Jacob, not only did he trick his brother out of his birthright, but then when it was time to get the birthright, because in his mind he rightfully had received it from his brother, he dressed, some of you know the story, put lamb skin on his arms because his brother was hairy and was a man of the field, and he was not. He was a man of the kitchen, they said, and would cook with his mom, and he was just like, probably wore like high heels, I don't know, but he, he was, and he had to put fur on his arms to trick his dad. His dad was blind, Isaac was blind, he goes in there, Isaac blesses Jacob accidentally, he even says, you have the skin of Esau, but you talk like Jacob. He blesses Jacob, and from that point on, Jacob actually receives the blessing, and, and the lineage flows through him now. Jacob runs from his brother. His brother comes home and figures out what happens. And when you get the blessing as a firstborn, you received like 75% of your father's assets, and 25% went to the second child. So he's now robbed Esau of everything that was rightfully Esau's. So Jacob flees because Esau, like me, was going to kill Jacob. And Jacob goes and leaves. And for years, he, he's running from Esau. The majority of Jacob's life, he's running from Esau. He goes, many of you know the story of Jacob. He works for a man, Laban, his uncle, for seven years to get his wife. Laban tricks him. Ha! And then he gives him the wrong daughter. He says, work seven more years for me, and I'll give you the other daughter. Work seven more years for him. Jacob's whole life is a process of deception. But it's always so funny how God works. Because God takes the story of Jacob and does something interesting. Genesis 32, 22. The same night he arose. Now Jacob, let me just set this up. Jacob is running from Esau at this point. Esau has agreed to meet him. This is years, probably 20, 30, 40 years later. Esau has now agreed to meet him. Esau is over it. He's not mad anymore. Jacob, though, is not sure. Jacob thinks, like all deceivers, they always think they're getting tricked also. Jacob goes, no, Esau's saying he wants to make up with me, and then when I get there, he's going to kill me. So he is traveling to go meet Esau. He tells his wives and everything. He says, y'all stay back in case he tricks us. I'm going to go up and make sure that everything's okay. And this is what happens the night before he's meeting Esau. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the, Lord, crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. 
And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said to him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. He wrestles with an angel, the Bible tells us, and now he, 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 he in a moment where he goes, I'm not going to stop wrestling with you unless you bless me. And the angel touches his hip. He says, what is your name? He says, my name's Deceiver. My name's Jacob. And the angel of God goes, listen, your name will no longer be Deceiver. Your name will now be Israel. This is where we get the entire nation of Israel from. Jacob goes on to have 12 children, the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them is the, the tribe of Judah. That's where we get the Jews from. Okay, so this is all of Israel, all of God's blessed people come from this moment. This is a huge moment where God changes Jacob from being a deceiver to being the most blessed nation that's ever lived. Truthfully, the Jews are the greatest argument for the existence of God. When you study, there has never been another people that for thousands of years was kicked out of their country, almost extinct, and thousands of years later has come back to reform their country and their people all come back to the same nation. You, the, the, the thought of that, when you think of how crazy that is, and that it was all foretold that it would happen scripturally. So this is the moment where we see something happen in Jacob. If Jacob were here today, of all the stories in Jacob's lives, I wanted to think, what would Jacob tell us? What would be the things that Jacob would go, here's what I've learned. Jacob lived a lot of life. Jacob deceived his brother. Jacob lied to the people closest to him. Jacob hurt those around him. Jacob ran and was hurt by other people. Jacob had two wives that alone is an accomplishment, and he probably has a lot of wisdom that we need. But he then goes on to be the most blessed person in the, in, in the history of the Bible. Think about that. From him flows the entire nation of Israel. So I think it's important that maybe we learn what Jacob would have to say from us. Number one, what would Jacob tell us? If Jacob could come down and sit with us today, I think Jacob would tell you that a bad moment does not make a bad man. A bad moment does not make a bad man or woman. Many times in life, we have, a, we have a tendency to characterize a moment of our life and stretch it across all of our existence and make our, identify ourselves by this moment that we had. We're human, and so what we do is we go through something that's horrible, and then we begin to identify ourselves as that. I think it's awesome that the angel asked Jacob, what is your name? Because until we're honest with ourselves about the issues that we have, God can never change the issues inside of us. He says, my name is Deceiver. Now that he has confessed his moment of weakness, he's confessed his, the thing that made him him, God goes, now I'm going to change it and you'll never be that again. 
A bad moment doesn't make a bad man. Listen, there are moments in all of our lives that we would like to forget. How many of you, there's something in your life that you go, I would love to forget when I did that? How many of you, it, you the, the people, think about it, the people around Jacob knew what Jacob had done. They knew he had robbed his brother. His name was Deceiver. Like, think of if your name was the issue that you had. Can you imagine that? They were like, look, there goes liar. There goes hater. There goes Miss Jealous. There goes... His name was his issue. There goes the deceiver. And God goes, listen, until you can own up and understand the issues that you actually have, I can't ever change them. The process of God changing all of us starts with a recognition of the issues that we have. God isn't looking for perfection, but he's looking for honesty with ourselves so that he can transform our hearts. A bad moment doesn't make a bad man. And I want to tell some of you that have been living in guilt and you've been living in shame because of a moment in your past or something that happened to you that God doesn't see you by the moment that you had. He sees you by the journey that you're on. And Jacob's journey had a lot of bad moments on it and God still chose to take him and pass the greatest nation that will ever live through him. God isn't holding a moment against you. A bad moment doesn't make a bad man. Hey, question, what moments have you allowed to define your life? What moments have you allowed to define your life? There's things that I've done in my past that people identified me by for a long time. People often go, why didn't you go back to Lafayette, Louisiana and take over your dad's church? It's awesome. It's huge. It would have been easy. Well, part of the problem is that there were some things in my past that people had identified me by. I was wild. I was crazy, and people begin to identify me by those things I had done, and I begin to identify myself by those things. I begin to identify myself as the wild pastor's kid, the crazy Aranza, the one who'll do anything, the guy who does this. The... And God never intended me to be identified by people's labels or by my own labels. He always intended for me to be identified by his labels and his calling. Listen to me, you have a calling and a label on your life that was assigned to you by God himself, and he identifies you by that alone. Not by what you've done, not by what other people have called you, not by what they think of you, but by what he thinks of you. God knows that a bad moment does not make a bad man. Number two, I think Jacob would tell you, when you wrestle with God, you get better. But when you wrestle with people, you get bitter. When you wrestle with God, you get better. But when you wrestle with men, you get bitter. I remember my dad telling me when I was a kid, he would say, Christian, if there's an issue you have and you've talked to all the men you can talk to about it and nothing has changed, it's probably because God's waiting to change it himself. And there is sometimes issues that we encounter in this life and we will get bitter with everyone around us. Well, my mama doesn't do this and if she treated me like this, then I'd be different. And if they wouldn't have raised me like this, then I could have done something. And if the, so and so, my teacher, if she would have just helped me more. And if she would Instead of going, God, I am where I am. The cards that I've dealt have been the cards that I've dealt. God, you knew my journey before I knew my journey. It's not between me and anyone else. It's between me and you, God. God is waiting to change things in your circumstances and in your situation, but he's waiting to do it himself because if anyone else does it, we'll give credit to people instead of God. Esau was bitter at Jacob 
all the days of his life. Think about this. Until they come together in the next chapter and forgiveness happens. He is bitter with Jacob for years. All because of something that really God intended to happen the whole time. This wasn't, Esau was wrestling, he was out to kill Jacob. But you know what the truth is? If he would have killed Jacob, it wouldn't have fixed this issue. Some of us, there's people around us that we go, if this just changed, I wouldn't be like this. If that person just apologized, I wouldn't be like this. If they wouldn't have wronged me, I wouldn't be like this. We are responsible for one person on this planet, ourselves. And God calls us to answer to him between us. It doesn't matter if my brother deceived me. It doesn't matter if my friends hurt me. It doesn't matter if I was abandoned or betrayed. It doesn't change that it hurts, but it does change the fact that God still has a plan and a purpose for me. And if I spend my time wrestling with people trying to fix my issues, I will always get bitter. But when I wrestle with God, I always come out better. God's design is, yeah, that's a great place to clap. We're going to be a clapping church one day. God's design is always that we would wrestle with him. Sometimes we are scared of wrestling with God because we're scared of the limp. We're scared of the limp. But the truth is, all limps aren't bad. My dad always told me, never trust a man that doesn't have a limp. What was he saying? He was saying, all of us go through life at some point. God wounds all of us at some point. And God has a tendency of wounding deeply those he wants to use greatly. If you have a deep wound in your life, it's probably because God wants to use it for his goodness and his greatness. If there's something that happened to you, God is setting you up to be a light and an example to the world around you. Listen, y'all heard me and Alex's story three weeks ago. It's very easy for me to go, well, I guess people wrote me off. And I guess, you know, because we walked through craziness and because I was wild, I guess they just. God wanted to wound me and limp me himself so that no matter what I ever did, I could never take credit for it. But I could always say it is only by the grace of God that he is able to use me. All of us have an opportunity to take our limp and go, God, I can be angry that I have this limp. Or I can be thankful for this limb. Because you know what people saw when they saw Jacob coming now? Every time they saw Jacob limping, they knew that he had been with God. They knew that he had been touched by God. They knew that something had happened in his life that was greater than him. And if you go through life and never wrestle with God and never allow God to touch areas of your life, you will try and take credit for anything good that you do instead of going, God, I am here by the grace of God alone and nothing else. It has nothing to do with me being good. It has everything to do with you being great, God. And God's whole design for humanity is that we would be people who would point back to him, that we would be a reflection of the creator. But we can't be a reflection of the creator until we wrestle with him. Until we allow him to touch areas of our lives. Let me ask you a question. Is there an area of your life that you've been wrestling with people in? And really you should be wrestling with God in? I made it my personal goal probably about six years ago. To refuse to allow my heart to be bitter with anyone. To refuse to allow my heart to be bitter with anyone. Listen to me, bitterness will rot your soul away. Bitterness will rot your soul away. You know what it's like. We've all been there. 
When someone's wronged you, when someone's hurt you, and you wake up and you think of all the bad things that could happen and should happen to them. You ever heard that country song where it's like, I prayed for you today, prayed like a pot would fall on your head, prayed you'd get a flat tire, prayed like... Sometimes that's what it's like. You wake up and you go, God, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to pray for them, God, because I'm better than them. And I'm going to pray that you teach them a lesson, God. A good lesson. Probably a car wreck, maybe a wheelchair. I don't know. Like something good, God. And we start to come up with things, God, ways God should judge them. Things that should happen to them. Ways that they should be repaid for how they hurt us. And little by little, we give the enemy a root and we allow him to start creating bitterness inside of our heart. God's design is always that we would wrestle with God. And when people hurt me, guess what? My goal is to turn back to God and go, God, I trust you. I trust you. I refuse to allow myself to become bitter with anyone. Bitterness will rot away who God intended me to be. It will steal my joy. It will steal my personality. It will steal my hope. It will steal my peace. And most of the time, it doesn't mess with the other people at all. My goal is to keep a pure heart between me and God. My goal is to wrestle with God and not men. Every time I find myself wrestling with men, I get bitter. Every time I find myself wrestling with God, I get better. What situation in your life are you wrestling with men? What is God trying to get at in our hearts that we've been blaming on other people, maybe? God, I wouldn't be this angry if they didn't do that to me. And God's going, hey, I want to deal with the anger inside of you. I'll deal with them, but let's deal. Where'd that anger come from? Let's deal with that. God, I wouldn't be like this if they wouldn't have wounded me. Okay, well, hey, let's talk about why you feel that way. When's the last time you had a conversation with God where you were emotionally vulnerable for him and said, God, I am angry and here's why I'm angry, but I want to wrestle it out with you, not with them. Oftentimes I find that it's so easy for us to talk to other people about how angry and bitter we are. You know those people that call you, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I have a rule now when people say that, I just go, I won't believe it, so don't tell me, okay? Because <laughs> I don't want to know. Because I'll get mad for you. You're not going to believe what happened to me. And we'll vent forever about how we were wronged and forever about how we were hurt and forever about how frustrated we are and forever. And I used to do that all. I'd call my dad and go, Dad, you won't believe what so-and-so did. You won't believe. And my dad started doing something that benefited me and will benefit me my entire life. He'd go, son, stop. Have you talked to God about this before you talk to me about it? Have you talked to God about it before you talk to your best friend about it? Have you talked to God about it before you talk to your coworker about it? Because if I will flesh out these things with God early in the morning, it will save me oftentimes a lot of trouble later on in the day. God's design is that we would wrestle with Him and not with men. And thirdly, as we close, Manuel, you can come up. You never have to pretend. What would Jacob tell us lastly? I love this so much. You never have to pretend to have your father's favor. You never have to pretend to have your father's favor. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Listen to me. 
God's design for us was that we would have favor through Jesus. And it would never be because of our worth, because of what we're good at, because of how much we deserve it. But it would be because of our relationship with Jesus. I have, I have, a, I have a son, most of you know, Eli, and Eli's six. And Eli, for some reason, has, maybe it's just a first child thing. He'll come to me and he'll go, like, do you, who, do you, who do you love more, me or Finley? I'm like, I love you all both the same. Like, that's a... The other day, he goes, who do you love more, me or Finley? I said, okay, I'll answer that if you answer my question. He goes, what? I said, who do you love more, me or Mama? And he goes, um, he looks at, we're in the car. He looks at Alex. He looks at me. He looks at Alex. He goes, Dad. <laughs> and then she goes, what? And she starts fake crying, and he breaks down sobbing, okay? And goes, I was kidding. I'm sorry. I love you all the same. I said, okay, well, then don't ask me that question, okay? <laughs> I love you all the same. But Eli sometimes, imagine if Eli came downstairs tomorrow and he goes, Dad, listen, today, what's the, what's the date tomorrow? The 20th? Today on the 20th of May, Dad, I finally decided I'm worthy to be in Aranza. I'm worthy to be your son. Today, Dad, I realized I made it. You know what I would say to Eli? I'd say, shut up. Go brush your teeth with the toothbrush I bought you, okay? Go put on the drawers that I paid for, the shoes that I bought, eat the breakfast that I've provided for you, okay? Shut up. Because you are never a son by worth. You are a son by birth. And make no mistake, it's why Jesus says we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Because when we are born into a family, we now receive all that God has for us, all of his favor. Not because we were ever worthy of it, but because we are born into his family. Jacob would have realized that the favor he had did not come from how good that he was. It came from God and God alone. He didn't deserve it. He wasn't good enough for it. He didn't do enough for it. In actuality, he did stuff to not deserve it. If you're going to look across the landscape of Jacob's life, any of us would go, no, you're not the guy. Uh, let's not send the greatest nation ever through you because you lied a lot. You had like a lot of issues with people. Let's make sure you're not that guy. The truth is, Everyone that God used was like that. And oftentimes, we disqualify ourselves from being used by God because of what we think we're worth or what we think we're not worth when God never intended it to be based upon what we're worth or what we're not worth. You are worth more than you could ever imagine simply because you are a child of God. The enemy's goal is to get us to have a scale in our mind on what we deserve and what we don't deserve and how good we are and how good we're not and what we can accomplish because of what we did and what we can't accomplish because of what we didn't do. And that is not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works when you become a child, you inherit everything. Eli is an Aranza because he's a child of me and Alex, not because of anything that he did. And some of you need to stop holding God against yourself and thinking you haven't gotten things or have gotten things that have happened to you because of what you've done or what you haven't done. That is not how this thing works. Now, make no mistake, there's natural consequences to all of our actions. But God is not looking at you going, okay, you had a good day today, so, all right, you're not going to get a flat tire today. But tomorrow, you know, 
I saw you take that second look at that woman, so potholes coming your way today. We like to make that because it makes sense in our mind. But let me tell you something. God's favor and love will never make sense in our mind because we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There was nothing we could do to keep it. There's nothing you can do to lose it. Eli will be my child to the day he dies regardless of what he ever does or doesn't do because he was born to me, not because he was worth enough. And I want to tell you today, the favor that God wants to give you as a child of God has nothing to do with you deserving it. It has nothing to do with you earning it. The grace that God extends to each and every one of us has zero to do with how good we are and 100% to do with how good He is. God's design for our life would always be that we would walk in favor that never was attributed to us. You know why? Because then every step you take that people go, look how awesome they are. You can go, this, is, this isn't me, this is God. Look how talented they are. This isn't me, this is God. Look how, man, look what they accomplished. Yeah, but y'all don't know, this isn't me, this is God. You know what Jacob's limp was? Jacob's limp screamed everywhere he went, this isn't me, this is God. This isn't me, this is God. Look at how great the nation is that's coming through Jacob. Yeah, but this isn't me, this is God. Look how wealthy Jacob's become. Yeah, but you don't understand, this isn't me. This is God. When he touched my hip and he changed my name, something happened and I got favor that I didn't deserve. God wants to extend to you favor that you didn't deserve, opportunities you didn't deserve, provision that you didn't deserve, relationships that you didn't deserve, because he is good, not because we are good. And when we understand that, it removes the burden of us having to try and perform for our Father who already loves us and wants to give us everything. You have a Father who loves you and wants to give you everything, and it's not about performance. Some of you follow me on Instagram, and there's Hillsong United, great band, just released a song. And the first song on the album, I go to listen to it, and I couldn't stop listening to the song for like, like two days, and every time I listened to it, I'd weep. I was getting out, I was meeting with some of y'all, y'all don't even know this, and I'm sitting in the car waiting till my eyes don't look red because I'm just weeping in the car listening to this song. And there's a line in the song, and it says this, it says, he, he, he's not looking for perfection or how well we play the part, but he's wild about the hidden things, like he's wild about our heart. And it is the heart of the Father that He's not looking for your perfection. He's not looking for how good you look today, how good your week went this week, how many times you read your Bible, how much you prayed for people, how you didn't flick somebody off in traffic. That's not what He's looking for. He is wild about your heart. He wants your love. He wants your relationship. He wants to have favor that He has to give to you because of your relationship with Him and not because of anything else. God's design for your life is that you would walk in that relationship. If Jacob was here with us today, he would tell you a bad moment doesn't make a bad man. Whatever you've done in your life up till this point isn't keeping you away from what God has for you. There's a purpose and a plan that God wrote before you ever came along and your good days don't surprise God and your bad days don't surprise God. Don't let a moment define you. God doesn't. He'd tell us that Wrestle with God. It's the only fruitful wrestling you'll ever do. It's the only thing that will bring you what you're really looking for, which is change. Wrestle with God. 
And then I think Jacob, the father of all of the nations of Israel, would stand before you and say, from the gates of heaven to earth, you have more favor from your father than you could ever imagine. God wants to bless you and give you things that you have no clue about. That in a bad moment you write off, but God goes, listen, I see the whole picture. I have more for, the, more for you than you could ever possibly dream of. Listen to me, when you read the Bible, let me just give you a little tip. Read the Bible like you don't know what happens next. Because I think sometimes because we know what happens next, we just like write parts of the story in our mind. Jacob was on the run for years from his brother. Jacob deceived everyone he knew. Jacob lied. Jacob stole. Jacob gypped people. Jacob, Jacob is walking into the desert going, I know my brother's going to kill me tomorrow. What a life I've lived. My brother's going to kill me tomorrow. I've lied and cheated to everyone. I've, and he has an encounter with God that changes everything. Listen to me. You have an opportunity to wrestle with God and have an encounter with God that changes everything. You don't know your tomorrow like Jacob didn't know his tomorrow. Jacob didn't know he was going to be the father of all these nations. Jacob didn't know he was going to go down as one of the forefathers in Christianity. He didn't know any of this. Let me tell you something. You don't know the plans that God has for you. That someone will look back on your life and go, God, what would it have been like to be them? I wish I was like Jacob. No, you don't. Jacob thought he was going to die. Jacob was in the desert. Jacob got jumped in the middle of the night by an angel. Jacob thought he was dead, okay? Jacob thought he was dead. Then the guy just broke his hip. That's good. Jacob did not think he was blessed at this point. And you may be in here today going, Christian, I'm not blessed if you knew my story. If you knew my background, if you knew my weak Christian, if you knew what I did yesterday, if you knew what I'm walking through, if you knew the troubles I've had, if you knew, you don't know your tomorrow like Jacob didn't know his tomorrow. And you don't know the favor and future God has for you like Jacob didn't know the favor and future God had for him. Don't give up. God's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your loyalty. Set your heart on God and continue to walk through to what he has for you. The plans, the future, the purpose that before you were ever born, he attributed to you. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, we're so thankful that it's not about how good we are. Jesus, we're so thankful that we get your righteousness. God, I know I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve your righteousness other than realize how badly I needed you. God, today I pray that there would be moments in our lives that we stop defining ourselves by. Things we did in high school, college, our first marriage. God, things that we define ourselves by, that others define us by, that you've never defined us by. God, I pray that we would wrestle with you Pray that we would wrestle with you and that's where our fruitfulness and change would come from. God, I pray that we would refuse to be bitter in our hearts. 
that while troubles and hurts and frustrations will come in this world, that we would never let bitterness creep in, but that we would continue to pursue you, Jesus. And then lastly, God, I pray that you would show us the favor and love that you have that comes only from you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you don't base your love for us off of us, off of what we can do or not do for you. And today we ask that you would change us, that you would touch our hips, that you would touch areas of our lives that would change us forever. God, we're okay walking with a limp if it means that people realize we've been with you. Now today with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that go, Christian, man, I've experienced church or I've experienced religion, but I've never experienced that favor, that relationship that comes only by Jesus. I've been basing my salvation off of what I could do or what I couldn't do. I've been trying to check the boxes and, and I realize that's not what it's about today. That it's about his favor, his righteousness, his sacrifice. That he paid my sin bill because so that I didn't have to. And today I want to start that relationship with him. I've never had that, but I want that Christian. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, I want to start a relationship like that with Jesus today, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now we're going to pray this prayer together, and you can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. You can pray it under your breath. As long as you mean it, this is between you and God. All I ask is that you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how deeply I need you. I realize I've incurred a sin bill that I don't want to pay. Today, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. Then you died on the cross to pay my sin bill so that I didn't have to. And then you rose from the dead to give me new life, freedom, and favor. Because you're good. God, today, I trust you. I put my hope in you. I find my peace in you. Today, I choose to wrestle with you, God and not people. I choose to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? <laughs> Praise God. Hey, I love this series. I believe that some of us, today was a day that's going to set you free. Maybe you've been living by moments in your life that have defined you or that other people have defined you by. That today you're going to walk out of this door and that old person is going to be left in here. You'll no longer define yourself by those things, but you'll define yourself by what God defines you by. Hey, listen, um, huge, uh, first of all, two, two announcements. One, if you're coming to the Next Steps dinner tonight, make sure that you get with Rebecca or Holly and let them know 
um, before, before you leave here so that we can make sure we have a spot for you. And then secondly, big news. You're going to want to tell all your friends, okay? Klein Oak came to us two weeks ago and said, hey, um, we had a construction project that was slated for next year that got moved up to the 1st of June. So y'all have four weeks to find another building. Yay, welcome to church planning. Um, so we have secured Hofius Intermediate, which is right down the road. I mean, you know where Hofius is? It is, it is a half a mile up the road on the right next to Metzler Elementary. It's a brand new building. It is so nice. Walked through it this week. Such a cool spot. So we are going to be moving there the first week in June. Okay, the first week in June. If you show up here the first Sunday in June, you will be having church by yourself. So, and maybe you want to do that. Maybe you just show up here on purpose. I don't know. But make sure that you tell your friends and your families. We don't want anyone to show up on June 1st and be like, what happened to this church? I don't But it is a great location. It's, it's brand new. If you ever walked through it, they just built it this year. Phenomenal spot. And um, we know when you're starting something like this, this is how it goes. We're believing God for a permanent spot. We are looking day in. If y'all only knew the amount of buildings I looked through this week, okay? I looked through every available building in a five-mile radius, all right, to find what I felt like would be the perfect place for us to be at. And I know that God alone has an amazing journey for Valley Rise Church. So we're so grateful that you're on this journey with us. We wouldn't want to do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. Um, and so we're excited June 1st. So we'll be back here next week. The following week will not be it. Don't show up at Hofius next week, okay? We won't be there. We'll be here until the first Sunday in June. Everybody got it? Awesome. Hey, um, hey! if you can't prepare to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give in an offering envelope. You can t- uh, go online at valleyrisechurch.com, click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. None of this happens without you. And like we say every week, I will never ask you for anything. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So we say, hey, you ask God, whatever God says to you, that's what we want you to do. We know that God will take care of us. We're going to pray over this, and then we'll let you get out of here again. If you're coming to the Next Steps dinner, make sure that you talk with Holly or Rebecca. You, if, for those of you that say, what is the Next Steps dinner? It's how you get plugged in at Valley Rise. So it's where you find out how to serve. The people that, that are serving, we call them our dream team. It's how you get on the dream team. It's how you get plugged in. We explain our whole system and our history and why I came to Tomball, Texas to start a church. And uh, we tell our whole story. So if you've never been, it's great. If you're going to come, connect with them so that I'm not sitting at Willie's Ice House by myself tonight. Because um, if you're not going, I'm not going. I just go for y'all. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you that we get to have a spiritual family, that we get to gather and encourage each other. We get to support each other, that we get to cheer each other on, God. That we're all in this together. We truly are the body of Christ and we're grateful that we get to be the body together. God, I pray that you would continue to push us closer to you and closer to those around us. God, thank you that you have the perfect journey for Valley Rise, and it doesn't happen without each and every person here. I pray that you would bless every gift and every giver, God. I pray that you would return it to them a hundredfold, that you would multiply it back to them more than they could ever fathom. Thank you, God, that you are our provider. We love you. We give everything we have back to you, Jesus, because it's all yours anyways. We bless you. We give you our praise, our love, and our admiration. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday right back here.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.